Have you been the victim of unfair treatment by a business or a corporation? Has this ever happened to you? We'll be the baby of the year. Hello and welcome back to the Turbo Team Podcast. I'm your host, Jake Brennan. I just got done drinking a bottle of Germex after that Nuggets loss. Alongside <laughs> me tonight, Ben Neeson and Alex Powell. How are you guys doing? Oh, baby, I love the way you smile. I don't know the lyrics to that song. That didn't That didn't really hit over the mic, if we're being honest. Uh, well, I've been uh, washing down my post-work Tony's Pizza with more Germex also after that Nuggets loss. All right, all right. So a game that Alex and I are going to play. We're going to set the over-under at Ben's pizza topping amount on his pizza at 6.5. Where are you going with, Alex? 6.5 toppings? I'll take the under. I'll take the over. How do you do a half topping? Well, like, because it's... On half of the pizza? Or over or under. So, like, it's either 6 or 7. Ben doesn't get sports terms. <laughs> Someone oh. actually, my boss actually asked me the over under on Jamal Murray, and I was like, uh, plus four. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ben, how many, how many toppings are on your pizza? Okay, uh, uh, I had onions, goat cheese, blue cheese, ranch chicken, buffalo sauce, and that was it. Oh, wait, jalapenos. So eight. That That's not that was eight. eight. That was like six. Okay, whatever. That game wasn't <laughs> worth playing. You really invested in this bit. So wow. on a on a much heavier topic, the KKK. We watched uh, Black Klansman. On on behalf of the Turbo Team podcast, we hate the KKK. Don't condone anything they've done. Uh, enemies of the program. Just yes. comp- enemies of the Turbo Team podcast. Never, never, ever friends of the program. We watched this movie. It was a 2018 film directed by Spike Lee, starring Denzel Washington's son, uh, John David, with former NFL running back. Yeah, with with Adam Driver as Flip, Topher Grace as David Duke, Laura Harris, Patrice, Alec Baldwin, and uh, some guy named uh, a German name who plays Felix. That and the is- and Steve Buscemi's brother. And Steve Buscemi, Michael. You really love plugging Michael, don't you? Playing Jimmy <laughs> Creek. Yes, give him the respect he deserves. <laughs> Ben's going to take us through the synopsis of this film. Uh, don't expect a lot out of him, apparently, because this isn't... He, he's not too confident in this one. <laughs> yeah, and by not confident, you mean I didn't write it at all. Yeah, that's right, listeners. Unfortunately, I didn't do this one off the top and dome. This is straight from Google. Well... Ron Stallworth is the first African-American detective to serve in the Colorado Springs Police Department. Determined to make a name for himself, Stallworth bravely sets out on a dangerous mission, infiltrate and expose the Ku Klux Klan. The detective soon recruits a more seasoned colleague, Flip Zimmerman, into the undercover investigation of a lifetime. Together, they team up to take down the extremist hate group as the organization aims to sanitize its rhetoric to appeal to the mainstream. Wait, they didn't say the KKK in that synopsis? I said the Ku Klux Klan. No, you didn't. Yeah, I did. He did. Did he, Jay? Oh, yeah, he did. God. I guess I'm just an idiot. 
Guess guess you're just an outstanding citizen by not even mentioning their name. Congratulations, Alex. Thank you. <laughs> Dang it, that's supposed to be the clapping one. So I got some I got some awards. So speaking of clapping, yeah, this movie got nominated and won quite a bit of awards. Uh, got a huge round of applause from those people in Hollywood. They eat up Spike Lee movies. So what awards did this movie win, Alex? So surprisingly, it only won one, but it was nominated for a few. So it was nominated. It, the win, it won Best Adapted Screenplay. Uh, Spike Lee, Kevin Wilmot, David Robowski, and Charlie Watchell. Uh, they won that. And then they were nominated for Best Achievement in Music. Uh, they were nominated for Best Picture, Best Achievement in Directing. Uh, Spike Lee was nominated. Best Performance by an Actor in a Supporting Role. Uh, Adam Driver was nominated. And Best Achievement in Film Editing, which was Barry Alexander Brown. And I'm pretty sure this lost a Green Book. So, yeah, uh, here. mad about that. I thought, uh, I saw this movie when it came out, and I was a huge fan of it. Uh, so I, I was really, like, hoping it got Best Picture. I thought it deserved it, but obviously the Academy thought differently. Uh, other nominees in 2018 were, sh- wait, never mind, wait. It'd be, it'd be 2019, my bad. Um, other nominees in 2019 were Bohemian Rhapsody, The Favorites, Black Panther, Black Clan, uh, Black Klansman, Green Book, Vice, A Star is Born, and Roma. So definitely I think Black Klansman deserves it uh, out of all of those. But that's just me. I don't know. Black Panther, man. Actually, rest in peace, Chadwick Boseman. Yeah, it's not but, funny anymore. Yeah. I mean, it kind of is. Uh, but do you know what is uh, a blasphemy is Bohemian Rhapsody not winning? Hey, man. <laughs> Wait, like, didn't uh, Bohemian Rhapsody win stop, Best it's Editing? Dead. Yeah, it did. What did you say? It said stop, it's already dead. No, I won Best Sound Mixing. Do you remember the editing in that movie? It was, like, horrendous. Like, there's yeah. so many, like, fast cuts. Yeah, Bohemian Rhapsody was bad. Anyway, let's talk about this movie, Black Klansman. So. Yeah, I say we don't waste any time getting into what we liked about this movie, which I have a feeling will be quite a bit. Uh, ben, do you want to start with like your favorite point? My favorite? Oh, you're talking about favorite point or favorite scene? What? No, just just like your the point you want to talk about the most. <laughs> I don't necessarily have a specific point I want to talk about the most, but I'd say that <laughs> I don't know about Mike, but <laughs> it's a it's a real in depth joke that only true fans of the show will get. But first of all, I'd like to say that the chemistry between Ron Stallworth and Flip Zimmerman, or AKA John David Washington and Adam Driver, was fantastic in this movie. They played each off of each other really well. They weren't necessarily the most bombastic characters, but they really had nice back and forth and. They had very understated tones to each of their characters, although they necessarily weren't always the most either outward, outwardly emotional or expressive at points. Yeah, and I think a lot of that's kind of a testament to like the writing of this movie, because like by design and credit to J.D. and Adam Driver, like they played their parts really well at the beginning, but their relationship was very like odd and awkward and flip didn't exactly want to go on this mission he wasn't really for it and it took really until about halfway through the movie until he was actually like kind of invested and realized that oh yeah the kkk 
isn't just bad to black people like they're bad to um his faith and his upbringing too so i thought like as the writing and the script developed like jd and uh adam's relationship just evolved even more and it was really good to like see them play off each other i think like after he got the card like after he got the membership card in the cake that's where it really picked up between them mm-hmm. i i didn't think there was a single bad performance in this excuse me i didn't think there was a single bad performance in this movie i felt even like the smaller characters like uh what was the love interest name uh, Patrice, I think. Patrice. Patrice, yeah. I thought Patrice's performance was really good. Even Alec Baldwin's 30 second clip at the beginning was really good. Uh, Steve Buscemi's brother was really good. I know I'm kind of joking around with that, but I genuinely did think he had a good performance. The captain's, the captain and the sergeant's performance was good. There's a lot of great performances throughout this whole uh, movie, and I think that's just the cherry on top was just. Uh, uh, is it's John David Washington, right? Yeah, I'm just John going to call him because I don't want to say three names at a time. Yeah, uh, I'll call him Denzel's son. But uh, J.D. Washington and Adam Driver's performance were just the cherry on top. And obviously, Adam Driver uh, was recognized uh, for his performance too. But I think he's kind of a favorite by the Academy uh, right now. Rightfully, so. <laughs> yeah, rightfully so. Adam Driver's a great actor. You know, he, he deserves all the credit he gets, even as Kylo Ren. Hey, he was good as Kylo Ren, but we don't need. He to was talk. good. As, he was good as Kylo. I remember. I remember watching uh, whatever the first one was that they made in forever, and like he took the mask off, and I was like, dude, he's ugly. And then now, I, now I'm a huge Adam Driver fan. <laughs> uh, so getting back to the performances, when like there's movies that are like making fun of racism, or not even necessarily making fun of them, just showing racism, when the actors that well, hopefully, but obviously aren't racist in real life, are able to pull off like extremely racist performances. Like, you know that they did a good job. Like in this movie, yeah. Topher Grace in Jasper, I'm not even going to try and pronounce his name, who played Felix. Felix. Like, they they completely sold off like the, the total racism by like facial expressions and by like quick glances at J.D., when they were at the final, like, kind of dinner um, initiation yeah. scene, where, like, JD would just kind of walk up to him and they'd just, like, give him a little look and then look away. Like, everything that they did in this performance was really good. And it, like, Felix felt like he was a racist that was going to murder someone. Like, the entire yeah. time he was on screen. And that's, that's obviously a really good performance because I don't think Jasper is like that in real life. I would hope not. And if he is, I- Jasper. Uh, on that topic, I keep I keep bringing up other movies, but have you ever seen that TikTok where the guy's like, I don't trust Michael Fassbender because he uh, did too good of a job portraying a racist in 12 Years of a Slave? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's, it reminded me of that. <laughs> Big but TikTok yeah, guy. You're, you're, you're a huge TikTok guy. Follow the Turbo Team podcast on TikTok. Um, oh, that might have to be a thing. Maybe. Uh, but yeah, I, I agree with you, Jake. When uh, When... Hopefully a non-racist actor can portray like like Felix's. I'm not gonna try and pronounce his last name. I'll just call him Felix. His performance was phenomenal in the way that like every time he was on screen, there was just this anger in his face. Even it, like like it's like 
it like it looked like he was about ready to explode at any second. Like for like he just you could tell the hatred was there for anyone that wasn't a white man, you know. And he was just it was just a great performance. It made me hate his character. So if I if I if your character's bad and I hate him, then it probably means you did a pretty good job, you know. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I have a quote that I thought. So this was a kind of when this movie was serious, it was really, really deep and serious. And when this movie was lighthearted, I felt like there was some nice humor with it. This kind of falls in between. Uh, it was when Felix takes Adam Driver down to the basement and is like giving the lie detector test because he thinks he's a Jewish. Uh, and then he's like, I think the Holocaust is fake. And then Adam Driver's like, have you seen the footage? And then Felix goes, that's fake. Everyone knows the Jews run Hollywood. Then Adam Driver goes, now that's just wrong. And then Felix, like, clearly, like, caught him back, says, now let me see your dick. And then I just thought that was really funny. So back when Ben and I and then <laughs> brother Mitch saw this in theaters, like, that was easily our favorite line. I know. <laughs> so funny. Let me see your dick. <laughs> or, or what was Driver's reaction to, like, uh, the Jews are in Hollywood? Because he's like... I can't believe that you think it's fake. I yeah, he was awesome. like, he's like, I think it's awesome. Like killing 8 million Jews. Like that's my dream or something like that. That's so, my like heaven or something. Podcast out of context. Uh, yeah. Back yeah five, please five. don't cancel us for that. <laughs> yeah. I thought the humor in this movie was, I mean, it's so easy to make fun of racists. Like there's absolutely no risk in doing it. Like you can just make like all the ironic jokes, but also like, it's not just, like straight up in your face humor you kind of have to understand you have to have some sort of grasp on history to understand uh some of the references and jokes in this movie like i loved the oj joke yeah uh, like early in the movie and it's just like one of those movies where you have to be creative and self-aware like this is the 60s and it was the 60s right or it might have yeah. been even the 70s no it was definitely the 60s 60s yeah okay i think yeah. so i thought the humor in this movie oh, it was, was in the 70s yeah, MLK uh, well, was already dead. All right. Well, I am now retiring from the Turbo Team podcast because clearly I don't know what I'm talking about. You're not retiring. You're being fired. <laughs> yeah, see ya, Alex. Damn it. Okay, so I don't remember this the, from my first time viewing it, but the second time watching this, the soundtrack in this movie is so good. And yeah. not just the soundtrack, but the theme whenever Ron Stallworth is like just doing something random is so yeah. good. Like the first mm-hmm. time it pops up when he's walking, he was like just walking through the bushes and through the brush while the KKK was out shooting. I actually made a button for it. It's this, it's so good. I guess it, it doesn't pick up for a while. It's a, it's a big button. It's that yeah. Oh well, we'll play in the background until it comes up. But yeah, the soundtrack in this movie was so good, and like mm-hmm. all the music they played. Oh, here it is. <laughs> yeah, there it is. Finally. I guess I didn't realize it took 45 seconds into the button. <laughs> but yeah, I could have listened to that like throughout the entire movie, just in the background, even if even if it was like during any single scene. Yeah. Yeah. 
what were some other things that you guys liked about it? I thought there were some really creative shots. I thought obviously Spike Lee is uh, he, he Spike Lee really like cares about the movies. He he makes a movie that's meaningful to him that has a message that he wants to portray to everyone. So he does a really good job. I thought there was a few like really really sick shots. One of them was fairly in the beginning. I think it was right after Ron Stallworth made contact with the KKK. And there he was sitting in the chief's office, and there was just like this scene where the camera pans from like the front, like the front of him, all the way around to the side of him, with like one smooth transition. It was just really, it was just really cool to watch. I felt so. I thought there was some really, really like just really good camera work in it. I thought the effects were like the explosion effects were really well. I thought atmospherically they did a really like good job of picking up like a. When they're at, I think they call it the Red Lantern in the very big, after he meets uh, Patrice and then he, she's like, oh, uh, I'll meet you at this like bar or whatever tonight. And then they're there like dancing. Like it felt like a really good atmosphere that they that Spike, uh, Spike Lee created. And so I thought they did. And then like when they were with the KKK, it felt dark and creepy and run down. And uh, uh, Spike Lee just did a really good job of creating a, an, uh, an environment that was like very like, hard to take your eyes away from i guess so the single shot that stuck out to me was at the initiation when they were chanting america first yeah america first america first and then like as they kept doing that it was showing like another black person as a servant like just not there um like participating and it really showed like how these i don't know about rich but these white folk that were definitely privileged while chanting like America first, like, Oh, look how great America is. And look how amazing it's been for us. And then it pans to like the only black people in the room other than, uh, Ron Stallworth are servants. Mm -hmm. And I think that kind of transitions from like talk about just the way the movie itself was made. Cause the movie itself, it's beautiful. It's really well written, really well acted. But I think the reason that this movie will be talked about in 15, 20 years is because the, the themes in it that Spike Lee got across. I don't, I think he got every single theme he wanted perfectly. Like I thought the, the coolest part about the themes was how he tied it together at the end with the KKK chanting things in the sixties. And I think like as a white American that grew up in small town, Iowa, and if we're being honest, learn from kind of a biased textbook from a historical perspective, you kind of think like, oh, after MLK, like racism ended, like <laughs> yeah. MLK didn't end racism, but like since then it hasn't been the same. And then you see like real life footage at the end of the movie in 2018 at Charlottesville, and it's the exact same thing that was happening in the 60s and 70s. Like that, when I saw this in person, that was kind of like when it really hit. That like, you know, it it may seem like. Outside that America's awesome and America has defied racism and has gotten over it. They clearly haven't, and it clearly, even if it's gotten better, it's it's not left yet. And I thought that Spike Lee did a, such an amazing job portraying that in this film. Yeah, I thought like racism, like you made a good point that like racism didn't go away. I think it just kind of it didn't go away. It just kind of scurried into the woodwork and then every once in a while it comes out and shows hey we're we're still here man like don't don't think we're gone and i think that's a that's a huge problem uh 
I have one one thing on a lighter note. Another thing that I thought was funny, and then we can get talking a little more about the deeper themes that are still prevalent today that are a serious problem in our society. But a funnier thing was after they're chanting America first and it cuts to the black servant and one of them is like, shit, I wouldn't have taken this job if I knew it was a Klan meeting. Oh, I, yeah, just thought that, that. I just thought that was a good job of Spike Lee, like kind of, you know, easing the tension back away. Yeah. And then another part I thought was funny was in the very, very, it was like the first scene where he's interviewing to be a detective. And it's like the sergeant and then like the black cop or whatever. And the cop's like, what happens if another officer calls you the N word? And then, like uh and then uh jd washington's like uh well, i'll just have to deal with it in the moment and then the black cop's like she oh yeah <laughs> i don't know i just thought that was funny but so uh back on back on the serious topic and uh yeah it's it is a shame that this movie takes place in the 70s and there's so much that happens in it that still goes on today and we we try to turn uh, as white people, I feel like we try to turn a blind eye to it and say, oh, no, we've improved as a society like that stuff's gone. Like we teach our kids that and we're just like, this is a better place to live. And uh, obviously, as of recently, that's not true. And we're trying to make it a better place. I think people are seriously trying to change right now, but it's not a process that's going to change overnight and it takes everyone. And uh, for some reason, that's it's hard to get everyone on board with kind of changing this broken system. But uh, that's what we're fighting today. That's what they were fighting 40, 50 years ago. And that's probably where we're going to be fighting for the foreseeable future, unfortunately. Yeah. Ben, I know that you're this is something you're extremely passionate about. What were some of the key themes as far as like either police brutality goes or just blatant racism? Like what were or the themes that stuck out to you? Um, and maybe how this perspective from now to when we saw it in 2018, how's it changed? Well, the themes aren't very, uh, they're not anything too different from what we've seen in past films, such as, uh, sorry to bother you and other films that we've watched, but haven't reviewed in the podcast where it emphasizes how, uh, racism and different elements of bias that are seen uh, not just between uh, races but also throughout just different biases in other films that have been made just that it comes from a place of ignorance I mean it's nothing too groundbreaking to call the white hill people like and racist and then have them be very stupid but it's just that it also comes from a place of power as well as we see that with david duke's character as he's somewhat well spoken and he's in an authority an authoritative position he's like in an office and he's making executive level decisions uh, in his position, yet they're all based around he ran for president. Yeah, like he like that. That was a real thing. He actually did run for president. I think he like polled pretty decently too. Mm-hmm. Like that says it like by itself. Like that, that says it all. Mm-hmm. It's emphasizing how ignorance or utilizing your privilege to enhance your own power. Uh, at the same time, by demeaning others 
or feeling that you are worth more than another person. Which uh, is, he, David, uh, uh, sorry, Ben, I interrupted you. No, no, that was, that was about it. You, you can say what you want. On the topic of David Duke, one interesting thing that I thought that was bizarre also is like confusing, but also kind of weirdly genius at the same time on his part was he he t- took over the clan and then he rebranded it. So it wasn't the clan. Like he stopped referring to himself as the Green Wizard. He was running for political office. He was making it like added this almost professionalism to it. And and he was trying to like take racism and put it put it in a three piece suit and disguise it as something else. And it fooled a lot of people, I guess, because you know there's still clan members today, and they're trying to pretend this isn't the racist organization that was invented in like the ni- early 19. 19- early 20th century like late 19th century or whatever and it's it's weird because you know (laughs) they still hate all groups that aren't white i don't know why i i don't know it's just bizarre to me but like i said it's weirdly genius because people like fell for it like they're like oh no it's like not the old cross-burning lynching clan of the olden days like they're different now they still hate all uh, minority groups but differently you know it's like it's so weird, but also on his part, like, I think great job, even though I don't fucking like the guy. Yeah, I think okay. just just for it worked, though. See. That's why that's why I have to say good job to it. Not that I like support it in any way possible, but it's weirdly like I got to tip my hat because it worked, you know, just just for statistical state sake. And I don't know, just pure impact. About one in every thousand black men can expect to be killed by the police in their lifetime, which is, like, an insane number. That's horrifying. Black Americans are two and a half times more likely than white Americans to be killed by police. And in light of... I stole this from Ben's notes in the group chat from, like, five weeks ago. But in light of the recent um, murder of George Floyd in Minneapolis... The Minneapolis police force um, against black, they use force against black people at seven times the rate of white, which the black population in Minneapolis is 18.6% and uh, 63.8% for white. Yeah. So, and I, I think to me, it's just every time I watch a movie that has like a huge emphasis on fighting racism and has tones of what it's like. Um, this movie did it differently for me because David Duke is still alive. Yeah, he endorsed Trump in 2016. You, you just like, it's kind of like the point I made earlier. You just think that this is like so far removed from our history, but David Mm -hmm. Duke is still alive. Like David Duke is the age of my grandparents. Mm -hmm. So the fact that like racism this bad, which this wasn't based off of a true story, but it it was based off of true life events that um, that are very similar to this. And the fact that that's two generations away from us shows that this fight is literally just getting started. And I think that Spike Lee was kind of ahead of his time in making this. And I think that like systematic racism was a term that's been thrown around and used, but I don't really think that it was a term known by the general public until probably about like this summer. And uh, the, the scene that I really think of is all the ones with Ron and Patrice where 
um, she keeps calling him like a pig, like, oh, you're a cop. And he's like, but but I'm like a good cop. And she's like, no, that's not enough. Like, it's a racist system. And I don't think I understood that when I saw that for the first time. But now, like, after getting this, um, I thought Spike Lee did a really good job with also showing in the theme that as a cop, um, you're not inherently racist, obviously. But one way to fight it is to, like, infiltrate it from the inside out and destroy it, which is what Ron Stallworth did in this movie. And I thought that that was a really good theme that was a couple years ahead of its time and hopefully um, is able to fight what's about to come. Uh, Building off that, I would... I know I know exactly where you're coming from. I know exactly what you're saying by saying Spike Lee was ahead of his time when he made this film. I would, I I know what you're saying and I agree with what you're saying, but I also think you phrased it wrong. I don't think he was ahead of his time. I think he was telling a message to the general public that didn't understand it. If that makes sense, it reached you know? a broader audience. He was. Yeah, he, he tried to reach it to a broader audience of people like us, white people that didn't understand yeah. it, especially at the moment, you know, I know, I agree. I know exactly what you're trying to say. I just think it, it was misworded. Yeah. That's a better ways to phrase it. He was, um, portraying a message to an audience that was way behind the times. Yeah. And he was, he was trying to say like, Hey, and then he, he showed us this whole like two hour film. It's like, wow, the seventies, man, whack times. And then at the very end, he's like, guess what? this is still going on and this is still a problem. And then every viewer watching it, we're like, man, seventies, glad we're done with that racist era. And then we're like, Oh, never mind, We're still in that racist era. Cause you know, racism hasn't been solved yet. And so I think, I, I think that's, I agree with you. Spike Lee did a great job of that. Um, as far as a broken system, I come from a family of, uh, I, I have family members in the past that have worked in law enforcement. I, I consider myself a supporter of law enforcement, but I, I, as much as I support it, I have to acknowledge that this is a broken system. There is huge problems in this system that we need to address and we need to fix, and they need to be fixed immediately. And I understand it's not an overnight process, but God damn it, we need to start right now, you know, because I, I, I can't, I, I'm tired of seeing it, uh, not from, it's, I'm tired of seeing it because it makes me sad or something, but I'm tired of seeing having to see black people, you know, be in fear every time a cop is around or something like that. Like that irks me. I wish I could do something. I'm trying, like, I'm trying to evoke that message that we need change, but like it takes, like I said before, it takes everybody. And I, I do support police officers. I don't think all police officers are inherently bad people or racist or whatever, but like, if, like you can still, you can still support, support the blue and acknowledge that there's a systematic issue and want the systematic issue to be solved. And I, I, that's where I stand on the issue, and I want I want it to be solved. Like I said, I don't think anyone's evil at their core, but like, God damn, I'm tired of of seeing you know all the bad stuff happening and just having to pretend like it's just a couple bad apples, you know. So. Yeah, it it all comes back to like literally the birth of America, the the piece by John Locke, which. For some reason, I'm totally blanking on what it's called. Um, just about human rights, which inherently is a really good piece. But when you look more in depth um, into it, it's literally made for the white male. Like never in it is it mentioned um, 
John Locke's social contract. And it's literally what America is built off of, which is giving rights to everyone and giving everyone equal opportunity. But it says very clearly in there that it's pretty much for white men only. And that's uh, oh, that's not ahead, everything in the 1700s and the early 1800s. That's how everything in America was birthed. The police force was birthed. Not as police force, but as slave keepers to make sure that slaves weren't running away from their plantations. And that has directly grown from slave keepers, which is what they were called, all the way to, even after the Civil War, to people that are enforcing segregation. And somewhere in there, that became the police force. And that's what it is like 250 years later. So it's it's nine or ten generations removed from these police officers literally be, like their title is slave keepers. And that's where I think the problem is like, I know Rob Hawkins, Indian old police officer, fantastic guy. I've known him from, from church for a while. I've known him from the schools for a while. He's an awesome dude and he's not racist. He's the farthest thing from racist, but he is involved in a system that is inherently racist since the birth of America. And I think that the best thing that the American people and the police forces can do to fight that is to fire every single police officer and make them reapply for the jobs. Cause when you get police chiefs that aren't racist and when you get police chiefs that are actually like good at what they're doing and you make them rehire people who are qualified and you make people rehire that, you know, are good people. That's when you're able to fight the system. Like I think it was above, I think it was the Buffalo police force who did that. And they, they fired their police chief, hired a new one. And then they pretty much laid off everyone and made them reapply for the job. And I, I mean that, that can't happen overnight in America. That's impossible. But I think like that's something that isn't too unrealistic that could happen. Uh, Jake, I, I know exactly what you're saying. And uh, there's a gr- great quote fits exactly what you're saying. It's by historian and uh, former and uh, former civil rights activist icon he's uh, sadly passed away w.e.b du bois i actually learned about him in my african-american history class uh i took my first semester of college last year he was a great man great historian did a lot for you know black black america and he said a system cannot fail those that it was never built to protect and i think that's the quote that fits yeah. exactly what we were saying is when we moved here when the founding fathers wrote the declaration of independence they did not write it to protect you know black men and women and now here we are with a system developed over you know 300 years or whatever and it's still failing those that it wasn't meant to protect and yeah. so I, I think that's a that's a i think you hit the nail right on the head so ben you've been kind of quiet do you have anything uh i'd agree with your point uh you think uh, you said it was buffalo who had uh hired yeah. their entire either or buffalo fired. or buffalo if you're talking buffalo. about you're, you're right yeah uh and john oliver's uh episode on police brutality he referenced camden new jersey which had done that exact thing and had re like fired everybody and required them to take a new uh assessment uh take a new uh test to be hired that was assessed outside of house and he said that that was able to rejuvenate their police force within the next decade or in less than a decade or so and that was able to bring about change on a local level in that specific town. And I think with that real life example and in this film, 
you're able to take notice that things are able to change, but they have to start at the local level with yeah. everyone in their communities uh, being able to rise up and do their own part because we can't expect some force higher. We can't expect some force above us to magically like make this all go away or just fix things. This has to be done at the local level. And I think this film exemplifies that in a way. Yeah, I think that, I mean, I don't want to get that political on this podcast, but I, I think the majority of our listeners would agree that just Donald Trump is a problem and he, he's been a problem in America, but he isn't the problem. Like America's the problem that allowed a man like Donald Trump to become president. And I think that, um, that that doesn't start federally that starts locally and that starts in small town Iowa and that starts in small towns southern United States that's where racism's birth racism isn't birth at the national level because if we're being honest the what the people at the national level do doesn't really affect our day-to-day life that much what what happens at the local government though and what happens in our communities and our neighborhoods that's what's affecting and yeah I, that that's probably a little too political for this podcast that's I mean the episode I mean, yeah, it's not like we, it's not like we're uh, holding off too much. Um, I forgot, I forgot what I was gonna say. It was based off your point. I think, I, I agree with you. I don't think racism is born at the national level, but I think it is. Um, it's exploited. It's it, it's backed. I think. I don't think the national level is doing anything to change it. And I mm. do agree that it needs to start locally, but it's not like Donald Trump or the White House or the Senate or the House representatives are doing anything to stop it. You know, uh, Brown and Taylor's killers just were acquitted today, except for one who was uh, charged with shooting into a neighboring apartment. Um, if you don't think that's a problem, then uh, let's sit down and have a talk and let me explain why you're wrong. But yeah, that's, uh, that's where it starts. It doesn't start with like tweeting at the president like you're wrong. It starts with um, telling the guy that lives in your dorm hall like, no, that's actually wrong, and that's a very, very bad take to have. Like, I yeah. think that's, that's where this whole thing starts, is with one-on-one conversations and calling people out. Yeah. Uh, I So, I, I, I can't remember the exact quote, but you, you brought up Donald Trump and how he's not the problem. But the pro, and I agree with you on that, uh, none of us here are supporters of Donald Trump. Uh, I want to clarify that. I... I, I think I can firmly say none of us are going to be voting for him come November. Uh, I don't want to speak for you guys, but I feel pretty confident in saying that as friends. But uh, the problem isn't Donald Trump. The problem is the people that blindly support him and support his policies and support yeah. the problems and refuse to change and refuse to listen and refuse to acknowledge why in either side. I have become... I, I'm I'm one person. I don't really align with both parties. I have my own things that I agree with both sides of the aisle, and so I, I like to hear both sides of it. I like to listen to both sides, make my own you know argument off that. And I think the problem is is with both sides of the aisle is people so blindly support one side or the other, and they refuse to listen to everyone else. And I think that's where, as a society, we fit. As a society, uh, in order to become a good speakers. And in order to have thoughts that are well thought out, we have to be good listeners. And if we're not good listeners, 
and we can't be good speakers no matter how confident or how loud we talk, you know. And I, I think as a society, what we fail to do is we fail to listen to both sides. I think we fail to acknowledge that there are problems going on and just turn a blind eye to it. And I think that's immediately immediately where we can start changes by everyone listening to each other and not arguing and hearing both sides and developing our own opinions on it. Uh, that's just me, though. Yeah, I think it um, both sides specifically. It's not political parties were not what America was intended for. And that's kind uh, of I, I sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. I was just going to say, like, political parties were not uh, the way America was supposed to be. America is supposed to be like freedom of the of the people to vote. And obviously there's freedom for people to vote. But um, everyone knew in 2018 who the two candidates were going to be. And there there was really no way to avoid those two candidates, which that's not how America is supposed to be. Uh, according to the founding fathers, uh, uh, George Washington, uh, like the guy or hate the guy, uh, for whatever he's done in the past, but well, what he did in the past, he's been dead for hundreds of years now. But George Washington was certainly, uh, but I'm built different. Yeah, sorry about Sorry, George, I'm alive now. Sorry, you can't relate. Uh, I have an iPhone, which you have wooden teeth, idiot. But, uh, George Washington was firmly on the side that we shouldn't have political parties. And then when I first heard that, I was like, "Eh, well, that's dumb. And then I thought of it and I was like, oh, George Washington was absolutely correct. And now I have developed that kind of ideology where I don't think we should have political parties. And I I declare to explain that reason, I think of it like this. So, Jake, you are a massive Iowa State Cyclones fan, right? Allegedly. Allegedly. I am a massive Iowa Hawkeyes fan. So, those two teams are rivals. I am not going to be like, oh, yeah, go Iowa State. Uh, you guys are doing a lot right. And you are going to be like, oh, go Iowa. You guys are doing a lot right. You know, mm-hmm. why do we expect Republicans and Democrats to get along if we have a po- like our, we're opposing teams? We're rivals. We don't have a lot in common. And that's a lot of the same with the Democrats, and the Republicans, the Green parties, and the independents or whatever. Like we're, we're aligning with these parties for a reason. And it's because we think we're right. And we don't want to listen to anyone else because we think our opinion is the correct one. And that's where the problem is. It's like sports teams. We're not going to listen to other people because we don't care. We blindly support our own team. And obviously sports teams is a bit of an exaggeration. It's not 100% correct. But that's the best way I can explain it is if I yeah. like this team, I like that team. I'm not going to root for your team no matter what because like I, I'm, I'm supporting my team because they're my favorite team for a reason. you know. And that's why I think – Political parties do nothing but tear us apart. They do nothing but create conflict. And as a society, we need to come together because change is only created through people coming together and building change. People of all walks of life coming together, and two people that might not be this, might not think we're the same, coming together for a common cause and you know bettering us, us as a society. That's why I don't like political parties. And uh, so that's that's I'm done talking on that subject. You brought it up, so I kind of wanted to voice my opinion on it. For sure. Do we have any other um, themes, political or non-political, that we want to hit on? I don't. Because I think uh, we've done a lot. Yeah. Ben, do you ben? have anything? Um, I don't know. You guys all kind of hit it on the head. Yeah. I mean, so- ben, this is a this is a subject that you're very passionate about, man. Like, even if you're not wording it correctly, like I. I I want you to feel like you have a platform to kind of explain it. That's why we have this podcast. 
Well, I feel like the people who listen to our podcast know us personally and would be able to understand the point that we're trying to get across and know us as people and know that these are things that we stand for. To be honest, I'm kind of zoinked from work right now. Just give me a second. <laughs> All right. I, I, well, like, I don't know, man. Like, just, you can talk even if it is, like, the same people, the same three people that are listening to it, you know. Like, you, you, should, you still should feel like you're allowed to voice your opinion, even though people that are listening to it are the ones that have already heard it, you know, because it's still your opinion. And you never know who, who could be listening to this for the first time. Yeah. So... I think it was three weeks back. The Black Student Union at Simpson College was having a Zoom call and someone infiltrated it and used the N-word. Hard R just dropped it and said, I hate, I hate, I hate, and repeated the slur over and over again. And it led a campus-wide protest at Simpson College the next day. All classes were canceled and there were protests outside like the campus center literally all day and there were speakers for an hour in the middle of the day and the speaker um very well-spoken lady uh and she was talking about how she loves simpson college she she's felt safe ever since she's got there she's obviously felt like left out as minority which i'm sure every minority feels at some point in their life but she's like, I've never felt scared to like be a person of color, be at Simpson. And then she said, like, but last night I like feared for my life that someone was going to like break down my door to kill me because that's how much hate she felt. And at first, like that kind of seemed ridiculous to me, just like, I mean, it's racism. It's not going to kill you. But then, like, as I took back and like actually thought about it. Like, I have no idea to actually, like, feel the pain of racism and feel the pain of, like, being looked at differently everywhere you go or feel the pain of being pulled over and fearing for your life. And I think, like, that as white people with privileges, like, the biggest thing we can do is just recognize that we don't understand the pain ever of what it's like to be a black man, black woman in America and... To me, it seemed a little like crazy that someone could feel fear for their life. But now that I look back, I think I can kind of understand where they're coming from and how that fear can be real. Because it is 250 years of just America um, being prejudiced and being racist towards black people in America, which is just horrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... Anything you guys didn't like about the movie? <laughs> uh, I thought there was some bad dubbing at times. Uh, I thought the scene where uh, they John Sauer takes a picture of David Duke, puts his arms around him, and then they take a picture. I thought there was a bad dub where uh, Topher Grace like backs away and he clearly doesn't say anything, like his mouth doesn't move at all, and then like there's like a voice comes over the top. And that happened a couple times. That was the main example that excuse me really stuck out to me, but. Uh, I really love this movie. I don't have any negatives other than the dub being bad at times. Uh, everything about it, I think, is fantastic, uh, Ben. Uh, yeah, I had a few problems with it. Uh, even the first time I watched it, but especially on the second watch, I felt like it goes on for a little bit too long. I know this is an important movie that's 
sending across an important message. But it's two hours and 14 minutes, which is just seems a little excessive in my mind. But that was just like that's nothing incriminating or anything at all. It's just a light uh, negative on the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jake, do you have any? It's a very, very minor thing, but uh, during the, not the protest, but during the rally towards the beginning of the movie, the weird shots with, like, the the people, like, fading on screen and fading out, like, just their heads, I thought it was, like, yeah. really weird to do, like, ten different times, and, like, during the entire speech. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know what that's called in filmmaking, but whatever it was, it was just a little odd and didn't... Uh, I don't know. It didn't do it for me. Yeah. <laughs> All right. But yeah. Did you guys I, have a? No, sorry. Jake. I'm right with you. I'm right there with you, Alex. I I pretty much like everything about this movie. Do you guys have a favorite shot? I I have one. Favorite shot or favorite scene? Favorite shot. Um. You said mine. I think I did. I don't know. It might have been along the same one as Jake's. It's where. Dang, it's when, uh, oh my gosh, oh yeah, it's when Flip uh, is out undercover uh, shooting with the other members, and they don't reveal what the targets are, they just have like, it's like yeah. five or less minute long scene of them just shooting, and then they leave, and then it shows Ron who was watching them just come across and just like stare down what they were shooting at, and they were very cared. I don't know. I was going to say caricature. Uh, they're just very racist images of black people that they were shooting at. And he's just staring them down as the theme swells. And you can tell, like, the rage is boiling within him. And I don't know. That was a good shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my favorite shot was definitely the initiation with, like, everyone yeah. shooting America first and then it, it cutting to the black servants. Uh, mine was probably the most artistic shot in the film. It's the very last one with Ron and Patrice uh, like pointing their guns, and then it's the it's the vertigo effect where while wow, it seems like they get closer, the background seems like it gets farther out. Oh, yeah, it's a dolly zoom. So dolly zoom. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, so that that was my favorite shot of the whole film. Obviously, I, I think it was intended to be kind of the most artistic shot, just because there wasn't really any other very artistic ones throughout. But uh, that's all I had. Do you guys have anything else for the movie, or do you want to get into rates? I don't think so. I think I think I could probably talk like for two and a half, three hours on this movie. But it's yeah, uh, we could we could go on a lot about all the themes and stuff and how it connects to today. But uh, and unfortunately, we're recording this late. It's one a.m. here in Terre Haute, and uh, I got class tomorrow, so I. <laughs> I I wish we could have gave this a little more time, but also we're not trying to put out a three-hour episode, you know. So uh, with that being said, let's get into rates. Uh, I'm going to give this a nine. Uh, I don't have any really nitpicks about it. It's one of my favorite movies ever. Uh, If I had to make a list, this might be in the top 15, top 10. I I really love this movie. This is probably my fourth time seeing it, fifth time. So I I really enjoy this movie. I think everyone does a great job. I think Spike Lee did a fantastic job with it. So I'll, I'll give this a nine out of ten. Jake? Yeah, so in comparing it to past projects of Spike Lee, like NBA 2K16 storyline, <laughs> uh, it just 
orange juice. It just it it just wasn't his his best work. I thought. No, I'm kidding. I I'll give it an eight point seven five. I'm I'm with Alex. I love this movie. Uh, I actually think now that I think of it, I think this is my third time seeing it. I saw it once since theaters, but uh, I just really think that the performances in this movie really sell everything. And they don't take anything away from the themes that Spike Lee's trying to get into. I think that every theme in this movie just hits hard, and it 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 just really does show how little has changed since the 60s and the 70s. So I, I love this movie, and if I had to rank probably my top 15 or 20, it's probably up there. But uh, wow. yeah. probably in the 15 to 25 range, I'm not sure. But I, I do love this movie your top 25 movies list do that that'll be easy <laughs> yeah oh that's uh we'll leave that up to name magic <laughs> you know he has one already <laughs> all right here's my top five guys <laughs> it's every movie he's ever watched and he just erases it and has to move all of them down the list if one's above <laughs> oh my god the yeah. others <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't know how well I verbalized it, but I really, I enjoy this film, but it's not a perfect film in my opinion. It's not in my top 25 or (laughs) however extended list you guys explained they would be on. But I thought that the chemistry was very good between the actors. Um, the realism was very well done. Like the fact that Ron Stallworth gave his real name when he was just doing his investigation call. To speak to the Ku Klux Klan, just things like that. But also at times the realism wasn't necessarily all correct. Like the character of Patrice was false, and the uh, plot to bomb the Black Student Union that was a false plot line made up for the film. And I felt like that kind of bled through at the climax a little bit. That along with the enhanced running time, uh, it had some flaws, but I feel like I'm gonna be solid in giving this a 7 out of 10. Just wasn't expecting it to be that low, but yeah. Yeah, uh, uh, pretty disrespectful to Spike Lee of you, Ben, so I think he wants an apology via email. Big Spike Lee fan, Alex? Uh, I think, honestly, this is the only Spike Lee movie. Wait, did he do White Man? exactly. What? Did he do White Man Can't Jump? I don't think so. Hey, he did the 2K16 (laughs) storyline. With yeah, and it was awful. <laughs> white, uh, white Man Can't... I think he did White Man Can't Jump. If he did, then I've seen two Spike Lee movies. He didn't. He didn't? Who did that? Ron Shelton. Yeah. Ron right, household well, name. That was a good movie, though. Let's... Whatever. We'll let Alex get to bed. We know that he's got class in the morning. A uh, big full-time job with the Indiana State football team. Go Sycamores. Uh, if you guys want a jersey, Venmo me 20 bucks, I'll get you one. <laughs> I don't think you can legally do that, Alex. That's an NCAA. Uh, say that on the there. pod. <laughs> hey, pretend yeah. I didn't say that. It was a joke. Yeah. It's all sarcasm. Allegedly, if you want a jersey, allegedly from Indiana State, uh, allegedly reach out to Alex and Venmo him uh, $20, allegedly. Allegedly. Well... That's going to do it for this week on the Turbo Team Podcast. Uh, if you disagree with anything we said, tweet us, and we'll tell you that you're an idiot. So, uh, Thanks again for <laughs> listening. And if you made it this far, we're sorry if you offended. If you're offended. Yeah. If, if, if anybody tweets out at the Turbo Team Podcast, no matter what you tweet, we'll tweet back at you, you're an idiot. So, <laughs> uh, 
can't wait for all the positive feedback hey guys love this week's episode thanks you're an idiot (laughs) (laughs) hey guys for the week at snow shack thanks you're an idiot hey hey we can't name drop them anymore my bad well, enemies of the program Indianola snow cone stand located in the high feet parking lot across <laughs> from Moats Park you know who you are thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Turbo Team Podcast uh, look for our new episodes every week on Fridays thanks follow Good- us on Twitter we hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the Turbo Team Podcast our social medias are linked in the bio Follow us on Twitter at the Turbo Team Pod. You can listen to all episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other platform where podcasts are listened to. Thank you for listening.